And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. J.K.R. Baseball is ecstatic to announce Cradle Batweights as the official sponsor of the Ohio Baseball Series. Check out the all-new Crado Swing Trainers at CradoSports.com. This weight is unlike any other weight available. It is designed to be attached at the hands, given optimal benefits. This unique placement will improve hand speed, bat head speed, exit velocity, and power all while creating proper swing mechanics. The cradle bat weight can be used with T-work, front toss, machines, and even batting practice, all while using your own bat. More benefits can be found at cradosports.com. Cradle bat weights range from 10 ounces to 40 ounces, ensuring that the perfect weight for all levels. Visit cradosports.com and use the code CRADO10 for 10% off. Other products offered through Crater Sports are tees, nets, weighted balls and back grips, high-quality training aids, and competitive prices. Check out CraterSports.com today, and let's dig into the episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Tom House Sports, Master Coach for Pitching, Hitting, and Being a Quarterback. We got Lou Kalowski here on the J-Care podcast for the Ohio Baseball Series presented by Crado Batweights. Lou, heard a lot of great things about you here the past, probably, what, month and a half, two months from a lot of your clients. And I knew you were one guy I wanted to get here on the show before we ended this series. But, you know, Lou, pumped to have you here. How are you doing this morning? I am really well, thank you. It's great to be here and uh, nice to finally meet you face-to-face. Um, <clears throat> we did a little bit of Twitter back and forth and uh, I was able to catch I think four of your podcasts on some of the guys that were in my facility so um, glad to be here thank you yeah for sure and uh I think I had the majority of your guys there you know within within a short period of time I remember I was talking yeah I believe it was like two two straight weeks I think yeah yeah, I I think so because I was talking to one guy he was like oh I go to this guy named Lou next night oh I go to this guy named Lou Lou whatever and I was like man I mean this guy's trained some of the best the best I got to get him on but well I've I've been very blessed just to say the least because for multiple reasons but I'll get into that in a little bit yeah (laughs) so before we do dig into the baseball side I do have one question I like to ask everybody to get the podcast started and that is for those who don't know you how would you introduce yourself who exactly is Lou Kalowski? Well, I'm, I go by Coach Lou, all right? Um, I don't have a title per se at the facility. I, I'm just Coach Lou, and that's what I go by. And um, I'm a national pitching coach. I'm, I'm a master coach now. I was just awarded that uh, about two weeks ago. And 
I literally started out just as a individual that liked baseball and had kids that played. And then I met uh, the National Pitching Association coaches and then Tom House and then got certified. Um, so I'm a passionate guy. Uh, I'm very competitive. I still play in a 25 league. I'm 55 years old. Um, I have three kids. I also, um, they're, they're grown. They're in college right now. And I'm, I've been married for 23 years and been a uh, national pitching coach for at least nine. And so I'm uh, pretty driven. And I work at the University of Akron as an IT uh, systems administrator. So I also have a ton of uh, SharePoint slash data analysis type uh, background. And so when I get into pitching or anything else that we do, I, I track a ton. But I'm, I'm one of those easygoing guys. Um, when I was younger, I was maybe not so easygoing. <laughs> but as you get older, uh, especially after meeting Coach House and him coaching me not only as, as a, uh, you know, a pitching coach, but, but just as a mentor. And, and so, you know, it just really, you learn a lot of mental and emotional things and how to really even, even yourself out, not just, you know, with the mental approach, but but with nutrition and stuff. So, yeah. So I would say just a regular guy, you know, I got, I got, uh, I'm very blessed to meet those guys and, and here I am. Okay. So, so kind of digging into the baseball side here, I guess before, you know, you get connected with Tom house, before you become a national pitching coach, you know, before, you know, like you said, you just got, you got named a master coach there a couple of weeks ago before all this happened, obviously the passion for baseball kind of came from somewhere kind of take us through before, training before coaching kind of where to take us through that baseball upbringing, maybe where that passion for baseball came from, you know, kind of take us through those early years for you throughout your baseball career. Okay. Well, um, early years, my uncle, um, was stud pitcher in, in high school. Um, we had, uh, we had, a my great uncle who was in the pros, um, years, years, years ago. I mean, I never met him. He was, you know, prior to, you know, pardon me being around, but, um, it started with, with my, my grandmother and my, my mom and dad taking me out as a six-year-old, you know, and, and going through a tryout and being terrible, not knowing anything about baseball. Um, and this is back in the seventies, mid seventies and <clears throat> got hurt the first time I tried out and <laughs> probably cried. You know, it was one of those things where I, I was lucky to even get on a team and when I got there, um, it was, we were terrible for three years and I didn't get better until I was probably, you know, 10, 11 years old. Um, and then it really clicked. And then when it clicked, that's when everything started to just domino effect. Um, back, back then we really didn't lift a whole lot of weights. Uh, matter of fact, I didn't lift any weights at all. And the only, uh, physical stuff that I would do is probably run for baseball, um, in, when you're looking at uh, some of the, the peewee football stuff, we did push-ups and stuff, but there was nothing like today where if I would have had that and I was actually, uh, you know, 18 when I graduated instead of 17, I probably would have had a, another stellar year of high school. Um, but I went through high school, you know, um, inner city, had really good career. I thought I was going to go to college. I ended up having a growth plate issue. Now that I know this, I had a growth plate issue. Uh, didn't know back then. I thought I needed 
you know, I thought once your elbow was gone, it was gone. So I, I actually uh, pitched up until 10th grade, was, was just doing great. And then, of course, once that elbow issue happened, I was literally stuck playing left field, barely could throw a ball. And then, you know, back then we were off for six months. And then that growth plate healed. When it healed, I came back as a shortstop and then didn't get the pitch anymore. Um, that pretty much killed the chance for me to go to college uh, for, for baseball. And I was, I was pretty upset because back then that's all I wanted to do. Um, years later, after having kids, I was 43 years old. Didn't play baseball since. Okay. Uh, had some kids. All three of my kids played t-ball and baseball and started coaching. And one of my, one of my other coaches was, I don't know, he's kind of bragging. And he asked, he goes, did you still hit a ball? And I was like, well, you know, I was pretty damn good in high school and had some titles and some, you know, some, some really good accolades. And I said, I probably could. And he said, why don't you come down to the facility? We got a, a men's league. And I'm like, okay. And he told me his wood bat. And at this time, I've never hit with a, a wood bat before. It was all the Black Magics, Easton's that had the trampoline effect back in, you know, early, early to mid 80s. So I show up and I, I get on the machine and it takes me two or three swings. And then all of a sudden I start cranking and the coach comes up and says, hey, you, let's face a live pitcher. And I was like, oh, okay. I haven't faced a live pitcher in like 23 years. It was, it was pretty funny. Uh, get up there, get it. Uh, a two-two count on me, and then I ripped one right back at his face. <laughs> and they were like, "Hey, do you want to play for us?" <laughs> and then uh, that was it. I actually started playing baseball again at 43. Now the crazy thing about this was I still wasn't in good shape as far as throwing. My uh, my arm and my shoulder hurt like you know stabbing ice pick, in, in, you know, in, in the back of my shoulder, uh, in front side shoulder. And I was doing everything I could to get through a game. And I was playing well. I just couldn't hardly, you know, throw for very long and without my arm just wanting to fall off. And then I started searching, started looking around and found a bunch of different things on YouTube that did absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> okay. Made, <clears throat> made the injury worse. Went to chiropractor and uh, she's like, yeah, you're not strong enough to throw. And at the time I was lifting weights. I was in great shape. I was in my 40s. Um, you know, I was probably not the heaviest I've ever been, but I was, I was in, in pretty decent shape and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me you know? And so I started training just a little bit of what she gave me. And then I found coach house and I went to a clinic up in, I believe it was Rochester with Guardio Flynn from Texas Rangers. And he's, he's one of our, uh, elite coaches. Uh, he's a master coach and, and I went through his training and in the first five minutes of his presentation, I'm like, wow, I know I'm hurt. And then after I spent the weekend with him, uh, arm pain went away, gained two or three miles an hour right off the bat. And, you know, at, at this time, when I say I, I gained 14 miles an hour over a total of, you know, about a year and a half, it, it literally was because I only threw 60, you know, five miles an hour as a 40, you know, three 44 year old so it wasn't like i was 90 or anything so i'm not gonna you know, i'm not bragging that but what he did do is he allowed me uh to get into uh something that i i stumbled upon but i knew i wanted to do it and then once once i felt the pain go away i started coaching some of the guys in my league to help them and i got certified with guardy and uh fooled around for about a year teaching uh, young kids, probably eight, nine, 10 year olds that, you know, anybody I could go pass a flyer out to 
And uh, eventually I met my director, which is Dean Taylor out of Great Lakes, MPA Great Lakes. And then shortly thereafter that, I met Tom House. And from there, it has been a whirlwind. And I am so blessed and thankful for Tom and the rest of the guys who have trained me and good friends of mine now. Um, so, so I didn't have a, a, a college career and I didn't have a pro career, uh, not as a player, but as a coach, it's been pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. And that's definitely a definitely unique uh, path there to get to, to where you're at now. Um, obviously, you know, as I was kind of doing some research, saw you know how great a coach you were, did not, ex did not expect you to kind of start your coaching career there when you were, you know, 40, <laughs> 40s. but, um, you know, you go down there for the weekend, you know, you're, you're kind of going there for your own personal health to kind of see what, you know, what's wrong with your arm. I guess at one point, at what point there, was it that weekend, weeks later, did you realize that, you know, you were actually kind of motivated to get into the coaching world to start coaching you, not only guys in your league, but also start coaching, you know, these high school kids, uh, um, you know, you are today. Well, well, basically, I I always loved baseball, but I'm you know, but after it took me, you know, the injuries took me out of the game, and then you know I, I became a musician and toured around with some bands and came back because uh, I was a family, you know, a husband and and uh, you know a father, and stayed home, got a real job, basically, looked at what what can I do after retirement? So I thought, well, this would be a good thing to get in for retirement. And it took off and it wasn't, it wasn't more than a year and a half before I'm like, okay, I, I probably don't even need to, to work at the university of Akron anymore. But I had, I had known that, that I wanted to be a coach because I, I coached my kids in high school and not high school, but baseball in general growing up was such a huge part of my life. I have always loved it. So when I started coaching my my son and my daughters and their friends at a, at a young age, I really wanted to help them. And that that's the reason you get into coaching is because you want to help and, and mentor, you know, and there's there's coaches that have good and bad information, um, but they all want to help and all want to try to make you better. So what ended up happening was when I got into national pitching, even though I, I just started seeing that it was working and I was like, well, wait a minute, if this is working, then they're onto something. I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to, I want to become certified and then start, start coaching. So really it, it comes from love of the game, uh, being able to be healthy again and, and still pitch into my, you know, I'm 55. So I'm, I'm pitching years later. And then I knew once, once that pain went away and velocity crept up, I knew that I could, uh, I could coach some of these younger kids and, and that's how I got into coaching basically. Okay. So you're at, you're at a point now to where you're what, eight, nine years into the whole thing yeah. to when you got, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, nine. That when you I, got was, I was, I was, I was a coach. I was a coach prior to that, but I was with national pitching. Okay. So you know that you are, you know, eight, nine years into the whole, you know, certification side of things when you did get connected there with the national pitching program. It's kind of take us through maybe some of the best memories you've had so far, maybe even some of the biggest lessons that you had to go through there early on in the beginning, once you started training guys, you know, for real, um, kind of take us through maybe some of those best memories and maybe even those biggest lessons. Oh man, there's so many good memories, best lessons. There's, there's a ton. Let me, you're going to probably have to repeat that question after I get going. <laughs> so, so some of my best memories 
our, our coaching um, some peewees, right? The little guys that just, you know, getting them in positions that, so they can throw strikes and then watch them get stronger. Um, I actually love, you know, the fact that I've had Keevman for, shoot, I think he was nine years old when I met him. And, you know, and now he's a junior in high school. Um, I've had Kabaski probably a year after that. Um, some, some of my best memories are just watching these kids go shell and, 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 you know, and throw at a high level, um, things that I, I couldn't have done back at that age because a, they're all bigger than me <laughs> easily, uh, both functionally, you know, stronger, their mechanics are more efficient. Um, you know, I, I watch big games from Karhoff. I watched, uh, I had a kid named Dylan Snyder that I worked with. Uh, his first game out there was a no hitter. Um, just ton, ton of players that put in a hundred percent to get, you know, 1% better. Um, lessons I've learned are, are you can't teach little kids the 401, right. And you can't, you can't coach guys that, that don't want to listen. Right. So the big thing is you have to get a win-win situation. And usually the first thing that I'll do is make it small. I'll say, okay, well, I'm going to teach you something like a grip and I'm going to show you what this grip does. Or I, I might say, if I can get you to, to do this, you're going to put on two miles an hour. And it's like right now. And then when they, when they get that win-win, they start to trust me. And that trust is huge. That, and I, I, you know, I'm a firm believer of reframing and the mental and emotional side of pitching. Um, if you think you can, you can, if you think you can't, you can't, you're right. So you really got to use what's been given to you. Uh, it's you know, a blessing, which is the supercomputer between your ears and program it and then run that program. And the more you do that, the, the more you'll myelinate uh, the patterns and it'll become second nature and then you can play the game. So some of the best moments have been watching the players achieve high level um, whether it's in games or now that they're D1, I got a, I got a guy that's, I started coaching in, um, I think he was a, just finished his freshman year in college. I think he topped out at like 86, um, sat 84, 85, within four lessons, got him to 90. Um, then he ended up switching colleges, uh, played real good until the COVID year hit. And then, uh, they, you know, that whole season was bust, comes back, worked with me for another eight weeks. We get him thrown really well. He goes out to Northwoods League, MVP at All-Star Game. Next year, goes back for super senior, or it might have even been grad, and the transfer credits didn't work or didn't, didn't, uh, didn't uh, match up or something. So he didn't get to play, but he still got to play in the Northwoods and then got picked up by the uh, Florence Yaws, which is a frontier league pro team. And it was pretty cool. Cause he calls me going, going down there. He says, Hey, we did it. So when you talk about just player development, watching a boy, you know, go from 78 to 88 or excuse me, 75 to 88 in about nine months um, with functional strength and, and watching guys pick up on the average of five miles an hour. Uh, it's pretty incredible. It's very satisfying to see that. Um, 
But on the other hand, I also have a community where I'm fully backed in national pitching. I, I wouldn't be able to do it without national pitching. All this stuff is Coach House's stuff. I mean, he literally has got 50 years, you know, of evolving health first information and instruction. He's had uh, hands-on work with over 5,000 plus athletes per year, you know, um, thousand plus major league pitchers. He's got over a hundred QBs in the NFL, you know, he's, he's, he's coached and we have, um, and, and, and national pitching is privately owned. And I got to give a shout out to, you know, not only Tom house, who is my, my mentor and, and, and coach and friend, but I also have Dean Doxakis and, um, and, and Robert Ambrose that are my, uh, you know, president VP and they're, and they're, they've taught me so much, you know, Dean Taylor, my director, who's a medical guy in the medical field, uh, and, and pitching coach has taught me a great deal. I got friends throughout, you know, the United States that every time we go to a clinic, it's like we're best friends and it's, it's a small group, but I, I owe it to them, um, for, for teaching me and, and pulling me along, uh, and get me up to par. And so, so as far as lessons learned, it, it's been, there's been many lessons, I, you know, to pick one, one favorite one, um, would, would be very tough. So you talk about Tom, you talk about your mentor, Tom house there, you know, obviously a lot of this stuff that goes on within the national pitching side, you know, comes from him. You talk about how a lot of these programs, some things that you've learned, stuff like that. It's going to take us through, you know, when you are going to get certified for national pitching to be a coach there, um, kind of take us through kind of what that process looks like and what that training looks like to become certified to work for national pitching. Okay. So, so when I first started, it was a little bit different. Now, now I'm going to explain what we do now. You have to go to uh, two or three clinics. You have to get the material. You have to sit through the presentations. You have to learn um, the functional strength side and the warm up side of what we do. And then you, um, from there <clears throat> have to take, I think you get six, six months to take the test and pass the test. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's a difficult test. I mean, Tom is, is all about making sure you know this stuff. Um, and then it's, it's a matter of, you know, two or three clinics passing the test and then you're in the door. It doesn't mean you're going to be the guy that is the go-to guy um, because you got to learn all the experience part of it, right? Um, experience is huge. They give you the critical time sequences and they help you understand what it is you're looking at when, when in the, in the uh, mechanics and the sequence and, and um, from there, it's just putting in the time and effort. And then of course, as a certified coach, you have to attend two clinics and help coach per year um, to stay certified. And of course there's, there is money involved. I think the first, uh, first time you, you sign up, it's $1,500, I believe. It might even be 18 now. And then what it does is it gives you the manuals and then get you into the, into the first clinic. <clears throat> you sit through the coaches, audit and presentation, and it's pretty in-depth. It's, it's a fire hose to the face. 
I'm not going to lie. I've had, I've had mothers that, that take their kids were like, what did you, what did you get me into? I, <laughs> you know, and, and dads are like, well, that wasn't how I did it when I was a kid, which is funny because nobody did. Nobody's sat at, at the experience level of Tom house and, and everything that he's done, you know, and if, if you don't know who Tom is, you, you should look at national pitching.com uh, or, you know, he was, he caught Hank Aaron's uh, record-breaking home run, you know, um, and then he's known for, I, I believe, Nolan Ryan, you know, his pitching coach in, in his 40s at Texas for the Rangers. And, and, and just, of course, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, that's, you know, you, you can go and look into that. But uh, as far as being a, a coach, get your foot in the door, learn the blocks. There's 10 blocks. Learn the, the uh, way that, that Tom's um, lingo is, okay, or, or, or the pro, I should say protocols first, right? And then understand the, the, the platform. And, and then once you get there, that's when the real work starts. It's just like, it's just like you know, committing to D1 or committing to any college. It doesn't matter if it's D1. You, you got to still earn a position, right? You can't just say, hey, I'm there and then be like, okay, I don't have to do anything anymore. I, I want. No, that's just, that's just like getting a real job. It's time to do as much as you can to get there. Jeez, it's fun, we- though. Yeah, it's fun. I'm sure. I'm sure. And you said when you first, you, obviously, when you first got into it, you initially become certified. You know, you still have you know stuff that you got to learn on you know on the fly, just through experience and stuff like that. Take us through that path from you. you now you said you're maybe not that go-to guy there at the beginning, just because you know you're still learning. What was that path that you had to take over these nine years to get to where you're at today? Well, there's a few things that I I learned right off the bat. Okay, and 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 then. When, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So <clears throat> everything to me was glove side when I first started, because I, you know, you don't, you just don't know. You, you've not experienced it enough. You, you know, pitching mechanics from what you were taught, but it's what we're learning is different um, because of the science. You know, you got to remember that Tom has got his programs measurable, quantifiable, it's deliverable and defendable, but here's what it came down to. I was super, super eager to learn. And I asked a lot of questions. And when I say a lot, I'm saying a lot. Um, with Tom, every time I, I could get a chance to talk to Tom one-on-one, I would ask him a question. Sometimes I didn't even understand what he said when <laughs> the first time I heard it. I've had several uh, recordings of, of, of Tom in clinics. <clears throat> and it's like, like anything that you learn, you hear, you hear the, you hear different parts, the basic. And then once you get to that point where you think, you know, it then it starts to spiral up and you're like, Oh, wait, I never heard that. And you're like, Oh yeah, I did. It's back in those notes. Then all of a sudden that starts to build. And that's, that's the biggest, the biggest thing is you have to continually learn because now as a, as a, as a master coach, I'm not just dealing with mechanics. I'm dealing with all of what takes uh, it, it, what it takes to be an elite hall of fame athlete. <clears throat> and when you learn that you're like, okay, there's biomechanics and efficiency, right? There's functional strength. There's the mental and emotional, and there's nutrition management and recovery, right? And as you're going through those, you got to learn a, a, a plethora of stuff. I mean, it's just all over. And you're like, well, how, you know, I got a guy that's, that throws 90, you know, in high school, and then he shows up and he, he can't hit 87 that day. Why? Well, his mechanics are perfect. 
And then you come to find out he's had three hours sleep. He was up playing Fortnite all night. Right. And, and then, or, or the, the guy walks in killing a monster energy drink, got a sugar spike and a hard caffeine buzz, <clears throat> thinks he's going to throw 95 and he's two to three miles an hour or less. And, and then he basically, you know, wears out in 10 pitches and you're like, well, why? So, so knowing, or, or better yet, get a guy come in, he just got done doing two hours of hitting with a previous coach or high school, uh, comes in instead of sitting his normal, you know, 85, 87, he's, he's now 82, 83. So a lot of the stuff has to do with me asking questions. Well, well did you lift? Okay. How long ago? What, what are you, uh, when are you pitching again? Did you pitch, you know, and what do you want to work on today? And all those have to match. I, you have to be recovered. All right. You have to have the functional strength, but today, most of the high school kids have uh, a fair amount of lower half functional strength from all the squatting and stuff that they're doing. Uh, core work I still see is pretty weak. Um, but once, once I get to that level and I start asking questions, now, now we're looking at, at having guys throw consistent, right? So you said there before we started recording that, uh, so I, I kind of want to dig into maybe again, you know, kind of keep talking about the beginning here and then we'll kind of dig into sure inside the programs, kind of what goes into an in-season off-season workout and, you know, what kind of goes into, you know, ramping up for the season. But, you know, before we started recording, you did talk about how you had what, like 60, 70 clients there at that facility there in Akron. Um, obviously let's kind of talk about how that client base was kind of built there in the beginning, kind of take us through, you know, what point do you go to Akron to run that facility? What were some of the big things that you did to kind of market yourself to your first couple of clients? How did you get connected with those guys? Kind of take us to the beginning of kind of building that client base. All right. So that's multiple, multiple question there. So I'm write down a little bit of this. Yeah. So at this year's off season program, I had 67 guys. We go Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday session starts at uh, five to seven and seven to nine, two different sessions, roughly. 20 to 25 guys in a class, depending on <clears throat> what session they're in. Started marketing it uh, right into July, right in, in you know, July. Um, we do, I'm going to get into this a little bit later, but we, we get to a testing and assessment stat test. Uh, we look for arm strength and, and where they're at. And I put them in this program. And this program goes from October uh, to high school tryouts. Um, it's, it's one time, you know, lump sum money. It's, I think, uh, this year it was 1500 bucks. Um, as far as building that, uh, you know, this is, this year I had more than ever, um, literally had to turn people away. Don't have the space to get more in. There's been times over the years I've had up to 140, 150, uh, kids, throughout the off season, but I was also working with teams in our sessions. Um, this year I wanted to focus more on individual um, development for the guys that I have. It, you know, it's pretty hard to get in because I want, I, once I get a, a, you know, a pitcher in, I want them to fully understand and walk away knowing what they need to do to, to succeed on all the levels that I talked about, you know, the mechanics, the strength, um, mental, emotional, recovery, nutrition. So 
in order for me, like I had to learn it, I have to teach it kind of the same way. So getting new guys in all the time is difficult. And I wanted to keep it down to, you know, no more than 70 kids this year. Cause when you got a hundred and, you know, 50, I don't want to say that I'm churning them out because I teach them everything that I would teach these other boys. But the issue is you end up having guys that are in there on teams that don't necessarily either a want to be there, don't want to work as hard or don't want to uh, <clears throat> come to you because they go to another coach. And, that, and that's, that's fair. So I started the program just doing individual lessons. And then what I was seeing was nobody was really doing any off season in my area as a fully uh, built platform, like what coach house has. And so when I was doing the individual training, either during the season or in the summer or, or, or winter, we were kind of in different levels of different places and they're always going to be that. So you can't cookie cut this. And, and that's what I want to say is I do a ton of tracking personally adaptive for each individual uh, player that's with me. Some of them might fall into a category of a functional strength issue with like lead leg block. Okay. Or they can't hold a uh, position after foot strike or they can't um, lift, you know, into a position where they can't keep their head still, those will be chunked out. But as far as actual, um, Hey, you, you're sitting here, you need to be here. Here's our roadmap. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to make sure that you're fully recovered. I'm going to make sure that I can, I don't see any strength loss. I'm going to make sure that your, your velos, you know, charting in the right way. Uh, we undulate, I go, you know, hot one day, and, and not so, you know, just kind of like uh, regular throwing the next. And then we do a pen on Saturday and you're ramped up again. And then we're going through cycles. And, and what we're trying to do is build upon and adapt. And so the more that I have them with me, the more that I can get them to that level where they're instead of a straight line going from zero to 10, they're going to have these sine waves, uh, you know, peaks and valleys but they're always going to be continuing up. And, and so that's how my off season program uh, started is I had, I think at the time I had five, five, I think I had eight signed up, but only five that came regularly. And it was pretty cool because I saw on average for, the, for all the years I've done this, at least five miles an hour in VLO game. And that could be a combination of things. So it's not all just, hey, you just picked up a ball and all of a sudden Coach Lou made you throw five miles an hour harder, okay, or faster. It has to do with, hey, you are not functional. And then like I was at 43 when I was trying to throw a baseball. So I had to make you functional. And then once I made you functional, then I had to make sure at the same time, cross-specifically in our warm-ups and stuff, that I'm not only making you functional, but I'm, I'm giving you efficient mechanics. So you're patterning. And we're taking all this together all at once without me throwing it at you. Okay. And that's, that's the really cool thing about Coach House and, and what, he's, what he's done is he's made cross-specific drills to allow us to pattern and train at the same time, you know, get your blood pumping. So when you get on the mound, you kind of already been practicing a lot. So it kind of reminds me of a lot of martial arts stuff, starting at a white belt and you're learning one move, right? And then by the time you're a black belt, 
I found it, you know, shit, I was learning to kill somebody with that first move, <laughs> you know, I like, I just didn't want to know that, I guess. But uh, as far, far as building that program, the success is what's done. I haven't marketed. I'm not one of those guys that go out and throw a bunch of money at anything. I've, I was always taught that if I, if I show value, and I only started out with one kid, one kid in, in, the, in the facility. I, I, was, I, I was seven, eight months outside, and then I, I got lucky and met uh, Elena Barker, um, who was a, a softball guru pitching coach in, in our area. And she was fantastic in high school, had, had, you know, every year state championship, some no hitters. Um, she took me in and says, well, you know what, you know, I'll give you the, the, the dark space in the back where there's no turf and nets. You can, you can, you can use that and you pay me $5 a student. I was like, okay. So I got started over there, but the thing is I didn't have any students and I finally had one sign up. And at that time I was doing like six week packages for six weeks, you know, for 300 bucks or whatever it was. So my one my one student paid my rent and that I didn't make any money, but I still had a day job. So it wasn't like a big deal. I was like, okay, well, this is a slow start. I am like, well, it'd be nice if I had more students and I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And then, you know what? You fail. And there's times you fail and you're like, well, what did I do wrong? How do I fix it? How can I make it better? And so that's what I did. I, I, I made my business efficient. And then it came to a point where I was doing small groups for a session at 90 minutes and we were still doing the six week type packages until my resources ran out of coach Lou. I didn't, I had more students than I had time. Uh, and I needed to reevaluate what I was doing. So from there, I, I, I rearranged with a good friend of mine, matter of fact, Keevman's uh, dad, Nate, Nate Keevman, um, helped me to fix my business model so I can provide just as much value or even more value with less time. So we worked it out and we put the model together and it was difficult to switch, but once I switched it, um, it, it really ran efficient. So I'd have two guys come in, they'd warm up for a half hour doing blocks, one, two, and three, do some, some, uh, some stretching a little bit. And then they'd see me on the mound as the next two came in and then I'd waterfall that through. And then eventually it got to a point where once again, there's not enough coach Lou I, I was six days a week hitting, uh, you know, four o'clock to nine and just going through it, just bam, 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 bam. And that's after working my, my day job. Um, pretty difficult, pretty difficult to, uh, to do. And then eventually it became seven days a week. <laughs> so, so now when I, when I do the off season program this year, I did something different instead of Doing the off-season program with the full, I call it the pro sessions, and, and, and coaching in between there, I said, I'm not going to do any coaching individually. You either make this your season, your off-season, and I'll work through high school, or I'm not coaching at all, until, and you'll have to get me next year. And that's what I did. Uh, so I cut my business in half just to... Uh, work with the guys. But the thing is what I found last year and the year before is you had these guys that just did fantastic because a, they became functional. They learned efficient mechanics. They learned, you know, what's the strategies of pitching and what's effective velocity, perceived velocity compared to your, you know, real velocity. We, we looked at, you know, how, how are you sleeping and take care of yourself? 
you know, what is it you're trying to do? And this is where like guys like Shinada and, and Karhoff and Kabaski, you know, and, and Tiedman. And I got, believe it or not, I got two other guys on that list that didn't mention me and that's okay. Um, and there's probably another five in that top 30 um, for that class. So I, I just, these are the guys that are put in the effort and they're just a hundred percent. Now they're all really fun kids. Nobody's like super like crazy. Oh, I'm just going to do blah, 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 blah. They're, they're, you know, they're hanging out with their friends. They're going to high school. They got a ton of stuff they're trying to, you know, juggle and their parents are trying to get them to places on time. And, and, and it's, it's tough sometimes, but like, I'll watch, I'll be done with sessions. I'll look over and I'll see Shinato over there doing the extra. And I'm like, damn, that kid's going to be good. He's just sitting there doing something. I mean, everybody else is congregating and talking about whatever. And he's over there on a, on a Swiss ball on his knees with doing an isometric hold and a shake weight, you know, and just on his own, I don't have to tell him. And then same, same with Andrew Karhoff. Karhoff's another one. Um, he's, uh, he, he's just built for pitching. Right. And, it, there's there's always a time but like right around ninth or tenth grade where you don't get the full buy-in and then all of a sudden they're like oh shit i better get my ass in gear because i gotta perform either i'm being looked at Karhoff's always been a stud pitcher because he's big and he threw hard um i remember and uh, i think it, i got him up to 87 in eighth grade and so it was just a, it was just like a one one or two throws it wasn't nothing like he sat there he was only sitting 82 83 but you know, they hit these growth spurts and these are big guys. So when they, for every inch that you grow or five pounds gained or lost, you're set back two months neurologically. Right. So that's, you ever see the kid with the size, you know, 15, 16 shoe and, and he's, he's orange on a toothpick and he's, he's basically walking around like a baby giraffe and he's bouncing into everything. And he can't do the same thing twice because he doesn't have the nervous system caught up to what his, you know, his muscles are. Now we, we take this into consideration when we, when we train. So we got to know what winners of trainability they're in. You know, I can look at Kabaski. I remember Kabaski reminded me of Gumby for like two, three years. That kid, I'd get him to throw a strike once. I'd walk away and then he couldn't throw a strike. And then <laughs> we put him in a game, couldn't throw a strike. And then one year he comes back, he was Coach Lou. He was, he was, you ever, you ever see Randy Johnson? You know who Randy Johnson is? I looked at him and said, are you kidding me? I said, that's one of the guys that Tom, second guy that Tom, technically was was coaching you know and uh i said what you what you see and he goes his glove is right here and i'm like yeah i said it's called a firm glove it's repeatable and then and then that was it all of a sudden that kid had a mind uh, you know a, a little light bulb go off in his head and that was it he did he just did it and and then it was just about putting on more strength and he's a big kid too so you, you look at these guys that uh were, were coaching and everybody comes from a different background you know jordan for instance always got guys out he's a lefty ton of movement all right always got guys out i had you know carhoff big kid through fast always got guys out so i'm blessed to work with some really uh good players and good kids um you know i have three college guys that i, I just sent off to college uh, i got justin uh, suckerak um, and then Kyle, uh, Maruna, uh, JT Fabian, these guys are, these guys are good, you know, and 
I'm looking forward to seeing what they do this year. Um, and, and of course, there's so many other guys I can mention. Um, but at, at this point, just to see how this is built out, you know, there was a time when I didn't have any high school kids. That's how bad it was. I was like, man, I'll, I'll never, I'll never have high school kids in there. And, and that transition between 13 and 14, which I, I call the 14 year old, that's, that's basically where, you know, you ask them a question and they're like, huh? Right. And they can't even regurgitate what you just said. And that's okay. Cause we know about the prefrontal cortex, you know, developing later, but I always tell the parents that I charge triple. I say, Oh, your kid's 14 or he's, he's 13. Now he's two months. He's going, okay, well, that's going to go up. Your price is going to go up because it is a nightmare trying to coach those kids. Plus that's usually right around when they get the big, one of their big growth spurts. And uh, you really have to pattern through that. You have to be patient and you have to be uh, a type of coach that allows them to fail. Okay. And don't scream at them about their failures. We don't care if you fail, right? We're going to fail fast forward because that's how you're going to get to the next level. You know, that pitch, you're never going to see it. You're never going to remember it. You're never anything. And especially if I ask you to do something for the first time, I don't care how old you are. You might throw it over the backstop because you've never been trained or have the nervous system patterning to do that. So don't worry about it. Just do it. And then as you get better, uh, you know, and understand it and you're starting to feel it at different ages, have different levels of, of being able to make that uh, connection. Right. Like I'll, I always tell tell parents i'm like i wake up in the middle of the night screaming drag your back foot to you know 9 10 and 11 year olds because i repeat it so much you know or you know firm glove bite the bird or whatever you want to call it and and you know then i got ross thompson who, who's my pro um make one of the hardest adjustments ever right and all of a sudden the, the guy does it like bam right now and i'm like oh that was like a that was like a massage and a nice you know hot coffee and I'm just, you know, chilling. I didn't even have to do much. It was fantastic, but it's also, that's the guy that you teach it once and he doesn't necessarily need to come back. So, so it's like, what do you do when you, you know, if I had all pros and I'd have to have a lot of them. Right. But uh, you know, the little kids that are not, you know, able to do a whole lot, you got to keep it really simple. You got to keep it moving in fast pace. Like when I have, you know, eight, nine, 10 year olds, we do a lot of games. We do a lot of running. Those kids got energy. I mean, we'll do one or two drills, not even 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, let's line up for sprints. And oh yeah. And the next thing you know, they're just happy to run, you know? And then you get the 14 year old or the, the, the high school kid that's complaining. And I'm like, look, I said, learn to love the process. This process is what's going to make you or break you. Okay. If you got a good process and, and, and you fail, then you adjust your process. Don't worry about outcomes worry about process, then you'll have better chance of having a great outcome. So I hope I, I answered how I built this and marketed it and some of the connections. Um, is there anything else from that that I'm like, so, no, I told you I could talk an awful lot? Yeah, no, no, this, this, is, great. this is great. But uh, I guess kind of going from that, you talk about, you know, training middle school kids. You talk about, you know, when they're age 14, you're in charge and triple, you know, whatever, stuff like joking around like that. That's, yeah, that is training, joking. I don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Training Training high school kids as well. I guess, how do you kind of break that up when it comes to your programs there in the off season? Like, are you doing strictly high school for a session, strictly middle school? Are you mixing them together? How does that work? No, my, okay. So my, my off season sessions are, I like to keep them freshmen and up and, and, that means up college and, and or pro. Um, 
the the other sessions I take time off from because they start later. You know, you're not going to play until April or May when you're under, you know, 12. Um, and if you're starting too early, it's not good for the kids, you know, arms. They, 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 they you know, growth plates. I don't have x-ray vision. I can't tell you if your kid's going to have a growth plate issue. You know, it's, it's part genetic. It's part overuse. It's part, you know, other things that you're doing activity-wise. Um, each kid is different. So I, the, as far as window of trainability goes, I'm always in the training, which is the muscle part of it in the off season. And we don't do any weightlifting per se inside of what I'm doing. Most of these kids have outside weight training, usually their high school. I do offer with Brian Alberti from Functions Alive, who's a fantastic uh, trainer. Um, you know, we do a six weeks prior to coming into me just to teach them what it's going to take. And it's usually the younger kids. Um, we do have, a, you know, a few of the older kids, but most of the older kids are already in some other program. Um, I'm working on joint integrity, shoulder, you know, uh, work, um, making sure that they're, they're flexible uh, and, 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 and mobility is there with efficient mechanics. And then when I see a stat test pass, we'll go into hypermyelinization um, or I'll put them on some other type of ELO program, which I usually don't do uh, for guys, uh, you know, that are younger than, than 14. And when I say, you know, a VLO program, we're, we're talking about personally adaptive. I've looked at these um, stats of what the kids are doing in our training. And a stat is a functional uh, uh, testing. It's a strength testing and assessment for training. And, and basically it's a window of trainability um, of muscle between 13 and 19. Okay. Um, nervous system patterning basically comes eight to, to 13. All right. And those, those, those kids right there don't have testosterone. So they're not going to build muscle mass. So, so we, we make them go as fast as they can. So when they do grow into their body and they start to sprout, they can make those connections quicker. Uh, when you look at, you know, guys that are 20 to 23, now you're looking at integrating your skill with the, the training that you've done. These, this is when the game slows down. You'll hear guys in college, you know, there's like, Oh yeah, my game really slowed down. You know, before I was throwing, you know, 87, now I'm throwing 95 stuff like that. We're, we're talking about the game slowing down. Now you're in the age to train like a professional, which is high, high level. Okay. What, what we're doing to kids today, um, a lot of these kids are, are not yet there to train as hard as they do. You know, you're talking about a professional that that's all they do is eat, sleep, lift, recover, right. And then, and play. And, and then they just repeat it over and over and over. So, once you get to 32, then you got skill, you know, retention. You got to do all that just to keep going. That's, for instance, Tom Brady, right? He thought he was going to play until he was 50, right? Because he was working with Tom's stuff and he has that window of trainability. So window of trainabilities are huge. I don't necessarily have the nervous system 6 to, to 12 or 13 in my program. I'm trying to get guys. Originally, it was a velocity program, but what I found is I get so many new guys that don't come to me that I have to teach them the basics. And some of the new guys that did sign up came to a precursor, like a, like a uh, six week class to get accustomed to what I was teaching. And these are movement patterns that are not easy to do. If you don't have a functional strength, you're not aware of them or you don't have the nervous system. I can put you in these, these positions and you'll throw slower if you don't have that. 
um, because it's a lot of force on the arm. If once I get that hip to fire and, the, and the disassociate, you know, hip and shoulder, um, and with, with high rotation and layback, you know, you better be able to handle the, the, the Vargas stress, uh, you know, um, and, and, and Vargas stress and be able to do what you need to do going down the mound as fast as can. I should see, I should see the chain accelerate going two, four, eight out the hand. If, if, if I'm not seeing that, then I know that there's not, they're not functional and there's an energy leak. So far as the kids, I have kids that are, have been as, as young as 13, turning 14, but I really have to put them on something. And you know, I, I test their back. We do a screening, a functional strength screening on the, their shoulders. Okay. I also do arm care testing with a dynamometer, see where they're at functionally with, with numbers, see if they're balanced back, you know, uh, internal rotation, external rotation, make sure their scaption and grip are strong enough. And if any of these are, are, are not relative and hitting markers, then I got to train them a different way and lighter. Okay. The guys that hit these like the Shinadas and, and the Karhoffs and, and, you know, Kabaski and, you know, the, and Kinter and Kaltenbach, you know, these, these, these guys, they're, they're built. I mean, they know how they know what's going on. You know, they're, they're putting that effort in. Um, those are the guys that I say, okay, we're going to do some hypermyelination stuff. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to train your nervous system to, to go from, you know, nine, 90 to 95 or 95 to hundred, depending on, you know, where you're at. Uh, most of the time that's done with the pros. You have to be functional. You have to pass that stat. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm blessed to, to have a few guys that are able to do that. You know, when, when I got, how many juniors I have, I have at least eight juniors that can throw a two ounce ball over a hundred miles an hour, which means their arm speeds there. Okay. Uh, I have, I, I think, uh, Maruna hit 107. Okay. With a two ounce JT Fabian was one Oh, one Oh three, one Oh four. Um, you know, these guys are already sitting 92, 94, uh, Maruna top 95. Uh, you know, you're looking at guys that were putting on, an ex, you know, a, a quick and extreme amount of velo, but they have to be able to pass the stuff. Now you get a, a kid that's 14. I can't do that. Shit. By the time I get him to throw, you know, a ball that's a five ounce, will have an elbow issue if he's trying to throw as hard as he can with bad mechanics, you know, the stress. So um, it's very personally adaptive. I pay super close attention to every kid. Um, I don't chunk them to like, oh yeah, we're all going to do this. I'll bring a kid in. We're going to do blocks one, two, and three, which is going to be core, core temperature elevation. Okay. Six exercises, pattern, cross-specific. Then we go into arm care and recovery. We're going to flush out lactic acid. We're going to go aerobic, anaerobic, aerobic, VO2 max. Okay. For human growth hormone production, uh, a boost. Okay. And then we're going to go into uh, upper body flexibility and, and, uh, and, and work on strength. And just enough to get you ready to go. And then we test with a dynamometer and see where you're at. Hey, did you recover from the last time you were with me? Yes. Okay, you didn't recover. Why? Or your internal rotation is a lot higher than your external rotation. What'd you do? Well, I was swinging, you know, a, a two-pound bat, you know, 150 times before I came in here. Okay. Well, that's easy. Well, what about uh, what 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 about your your down in strength uh, across the board? What's happening? Uh, well, I lifted today. Okay. Or, 
or uh, he, he, I might see something where he, they're down across the board and I look and I can't figure out that they didn't do anything, but they're in what's, you know, like a, a mental stagnation slash uh, nervous system, you know, issue. So I have to give them more recovery because it's a nervous system issue. It's not, you know, a strength issue in the muscle and recovery. So really, once I find out where that's at, I'm chopping those, those players into different groups. Okay, this group one is going to do this throwing session this many throws, this many holds, this group's doing a velo program, uh, you know, guy that hasn't thrown a, uh, you know, a, a two pound ball yet. You're, you're not going to throw a two pound ball. You're only going to go from knees. You know, how old are you? What's his back look like? This is where I get super detailed. This just isn't, Hey, here, pick up a ball, chuck it like a, like a drive line that we, we don't do that with national pitching. We're about health first. We're a health first organization. And with health comes, you know, efficiency and mechanics and everything that we mentioned uh, earlier and it all comes together and brings you velo that's what the elite program is so you know i could talk all day long and go into you know multiple in-depth things but i want to keep it short because i've already talked a lot about this um it's the best i think it's the best program in the world the platform once once i i was out in uh what in october i was out with coach house for my master class he said, he, he, you know, I'm thinking, well, what, what is he going to, what's he going to show me? Cause we had to coach in front of him. You know, I took Shanata out there and I, there was just me and two other coaches and we had to, we were in the hot seat. He was, he was grilling us and he brought up some stuff that I thought my head was going to explode. I was like, I have no clue even how to read this document, let alone answer any of your questions about it. Cause he started getting into neuroscience and headspace. And I'm like, uh, I thought I was a pitching coach. I didn't think I was a neuroscientist, right? But I studied just to catch up to figure out what he was doing because I was out there for three days. And by the time the third day came around, I the light bulb went off. I'm like, oh my God, this is this whole platform, this 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 whole uh, uh, container framework um, gives me the freedom to do whatever I want because of all the stuff that he's given us that connects and his work. I mean, it is just impeccable on how, you know, he's got 22 published books and he's worked with several, several really good coaches. And, and of course, hall of fame guys throughout, you know, forever last 30 years, easily 50 years plus with him playing. Um, he's been studying it, you know, when, when Commodore 64's had, you know, nothing but stick figures, you know, that type of stuff. And, and for me to be able to, to, to be given this framework and understand it and then apply it to everybody that comes to me uh, is a blessing. And I, I, I don't think I can ever thank him enough. And, and, and you know, like I said, Dean, both deans and, and uh, you know, even, even like Mike Fetko, these are some of the other guys, uh, Eric Rubin, you know, um, Dean Taylor, these, these guys are, have put so much time and effort not only in training other pitchers but training us coaches and we're we're a, a really tight tight you know group and um i love seeing those guys because we can talk about this stuff if i start talking about this stuff with, with with you know i'm a high school coach and there's times i'll talk to other coaches and they have no clue what i'm talking about and i don't i don't say that you know disrespectful it's just that you don't know what you don't know i was there i didn't know that I trained my kid to, you know, lead with the elbow, you know, reach straight back, lift and hold your balance, you know, shit that <laughs> just doesn't, doesn't throw a strike, doesn't throw it fast, you know, 
but what do you, you don't know what you don't know. So when, when there's a trainability, that's, I go in depth to make sure that each kid gets the value and a, and first and foremost, they don't get hurt. All right. Now I will say this. Um, and I said it before, I don't have x-ray vision, so I don't know if there's going to be a growth plate issue. So guys that are <clears throat> under 14, I'm even, I'm even really cautious guys, you know, that are, they're sophomores, you know, I've, I've seen tail end of sophomores. If it was like me, you know, I, I graduated 17, which means if I, I went from five, nine, 135 pounds, my senior year, to when I've hit 18, the following year, because my birthday is in August, I was 165, 11. If I would have had that as my senior year, it might've been a different story, right? I, I wouldn't have had a growth plate issue. I would have been, uh, you know, where I should have been, but I do see guys, uh, kids that their dads think they're, you know, oh, he's nine. He's, he's, this kid is, you know, he's playing up with the 12 year olds. And I'm like, why, you know, why let him be a kid, have fun, just enjoy it, teach him, play wiffle ball, you know, don't hurt him because a lot of these kids start playing up and they're not ready. And then they get overused in travel ball. Next thing I know, they don't have any downtime. They got growth plates and then they're out for not only a season, they're out for seven, eight months because it's recurring. They're not letting it heal. Um, and it's not worth it. So I'm high school and above, and I still have to pay attention because I, sometimes I'll have a junior that doesn't have the back strength to do what I need to do with some of these guys. Does that answer your question? It does. Um, so <laughs> when you talked about that master class, you, you said you went out, you, you took Shinada with you, kind of go through kind of um, just the master certification or however exactly that works. You talk a lot about neuroscience. I'm sure the mental management side comes along with that as well. You know, as I was kind of looking through that nationalpitching.com, I saw you guys are big on mental mental management and the nutrition side as well. So kind of yes. take you through how those two factors, how important they are for, you know, athletes to perform at their highest level, especially for pitchers. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Let's say you didn't drink water for eight, nine hours. <clears throat> Okay. And let's say you haven't eaten, I don't know, anything, but let's say some bread, all right, maybe peanut butter. And then you went and played a game. How long do you think you'd last? Not very long. No. Hydration is the most important right off the bat. As soon as you start to get dehydrated, as soon as you realize that you're dehydrated, you're already a day behind. All right. We, we go by the motto of hydrate early, hydrate often, right? We, we want to stay away from sugar. Sugar is basically the enemy, all right? And I'm not going to get too detailed into this, but you have spikes. And, and when you spike, you get a super high energy burst, right? Boom, you get a heavy crash. So there's been times in my life when I played, I was phenomenal, and then all of a sudden, one inning, I would just suck. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out, well, what's going on, man? I, I had brain fog. I couldn't think. <clears throat> it has to do with nutrition. Your brain, okay, has to have the right nutrients. Your body has to have the right nutrients. You have to have hydration. So the very first thing that you have to have isn't pitching mechanics. It's being able to have good nutrition and hydration. Then the second thing you have to have is good sleep. If you are not getting good sleep, you're going to be foggy. You're going to be tired. You're not going to have the connections that you made from the night before, either doing your math times tables or whatever level you're at in math or any of the skill stuff that you worked on or remember anything. 
So those myelin, okay, which basically is a fatty protein that wraps around the nerves like a like tree rings, okay, a lot is like an insulation that allows the uh, 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 electric to shoot faster, okay. So those neurotransmitters, right, will fire off, and then the thicker that is, the more you're able to repeat something. So think of it as the times tables. How many times did you practice that when you were a kid, right? Over and over and over and over until you knew it. Or the ABCs, right? I mean, th this is just easy stuff. It's easier when you're a kid because you're open to it and you're not afraid to fail. And nobody's screaming at you because you didn't say your ABCs right. You know, Tom always tells a story. And I, this, is the, this is the only one I'm going to tell because this is Tom's. This is not mine. He's like, remember when you're a little kid and, and they're like, okay, come here. Oh, you're trying to learn to walk. And you take a step and you fall and like, oh, yeah, 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 come on, do it again. And, you you know, four, five, and this goes on for, you know, how long? Three, six months until you, you're starting to walk. And, and you know, no one said soon as you took, you know, that first step and you felt, come on, you little shit, get up. You're supposed to, you know, nobody, nobody did that, right? We'd never learned to walk. We'd, we'd all still be crawling, at least, in, in, you know, until we left our parents. But it, it's, it's the same, same thing. You got to, you got to have. The mental and emotional part, right? Um, then, then it's more functional strength than mechanics, but they go hand in hand. All right, you we can trick kids to throw with their eyes level, okay? And we can trick kids to throw strikes. And when I say trick, it's it's just it's just a cue to get them to do it. But once they hit foot strike, right? Before foot strike, it's mechanics. After foot strike, it's functional strength. If your head's moving after after front foot strike, you're basically got a functional issue, all right? It's usually posterior chain, core, um, your, your glove side could be weak. Um, any, any one of the nine variables, you know, depending on where you're at in your sequence could be affected, okay? Um, if you don't, like I, I see guys that do a ton of squatting and then they go to do their knee lift and they have no flexor mobility or flexor strength. So what do they got to do? They got to they got to jolt back, right? And then they change your posture. So is that functional? Yeah, you know, or is it just an awareness? It could be both. It could, you know, it's got to be one. All right. So when you tie all this together, all right, it all comes down to one point, and and that's where you start to build. But the, the mental the mental part is how do you not lose it when you go to pitch right there's you know there, there's a there's probably a hundred nolan ryan's out there that never made it because they, they didn't have the headspace right there's guys that can chuck a ball and throw fast but then they don't make it because they, they don't have the headspace you you have to be able to, to go through a process and and we we have some really cool things that we work with uh we work with something called the focus band um, that'll help you know when you're in quiet eye, which that the eyes, the eyes will shake as you're looking until they lock in on something. And then the, the quiet eye happens. And then you get in something called the motion state or a flow state to where you, you just do. And it's, it's a, it's, it's a, like a meridian, uh, bypasses the brain kind of thing where it's just, it, it's just like a, a boom, it just happens, right? It's going to a meridian and, and to the muscle instead of, going all the way traveling back and forth saying okay do this do that and you're not really trying to do a process uh where you're thinking through it you're just doing it and that's when you're really playing the game you don't have to think when a line a hot liner comes screaming right at you on a one hop what you're going to do you know you've practiced a bunch that you're going to drop back you know one foot turn and throw you, you're not gonna you're not gonna take it you know in the chops wherever the chops might be 
Um, I'm not sure, but you know, I've heard of people taking it there. So you might, you might block the ball and bounce it off you, but you don't get the guy out. That's, you know, that's stopping a ball, you know, and, and that's good, but you didn't get the guy out. Right. And the professionals get the guys out and, and they do it more often than not. So those are the guys, that's the type of mental and emotional that, that you've trained over and over and over and you've patterned and you understand that. But then for pitchers, you have to learn to get past your shortstop saying, come on, Lou, throw strikes. Come on, Lou. You know, and you're like, what do you think I'm out here doing? Trying to throw balls and walk everybody, you know, you know, or, or, or you're a kid and your grandma or your mom's out there screaming, yeah, come on, little Johnny. Right. And all of a sudden you're, you know, or your girlfriend's watching or even worse, got a radar gun on you and, and some phones on you and you got scouts there and you're going, oh my God, I throw 90 with coach Lou, but I get out here and I'm losing it. This is where we start to focus on. I'm going to train you how to get through this. All right. It's easy. Once you know what to do, it's a process like anything. You have to learn it and you have to go through it. All right. And if you do it and you remember it, it becomes part of your game, part of your process. And then you if you've ever seen I think it's for the love of the game with Kevin, uh, Kevin Costner and he's throwing and he's looking at the mitt and all of a sudden it just, everything just goes blurry except the mitt. Right. That's that's that flow state that that that's that where you're just you being you and reacting and playing and, 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 and that's the big thing. Play is huge. And when we, we do a lot of stuff in our facility, you know, we're playing baseball. We're, we're not working baseball. Nobody wants to come in and work baseball. And, and, and you gotta, you gotta discern between the two lifting is supplementing your baseball. You're not going into lift to be a bodybuilder because that does two things that makes you want to lift all the time and not work on drills. And two, it sometimes will hinder your, your mobility. Right. So when, when you, when you talk about how do all these work, there, there's, there's an organic way that this fits together. You know, you can't have too much of one, you know, if, if I'm going to go work on one drill for two hours, I'm going to start, a bad habit and then training something that I did or patterning something I don't necessarily need. Right. And I probably should have did, you know, 10 good reps, took a break, did something else, come back to another 10, kind of like study. Right. I know, I know myself even, even now, and in this last couple of years, I haven't been as good as hitter as what I was in the past because my eyesight's not as good. Um, what, what I knew as a kid and this is funny because Coach House teaches this, but I didn't, I never knew of Tom House back then. Um, <clears throat> but I basically, I could hit and hit a line drive and would know the feeling of hitting a line drive. So when I was in study hall, and instead of, and I shouldn't say this, instead of studying, I was, I was thinking about the game that night and me hitting line drives. And I could feel every time what that felt like. And I knew where my, my body was in space, okay? And what the, where the bat was, where my hands were, where my feet were, I was totally aware of it. And I could mentally rep that over and over and over. And then I'd go to the game and I would do it. And I'm one of these guys that I wouldn't hit off of a tee. I wouldn't go and I wouldn't hit for 20 to 30 at a time because I already figured my swing out. And once I felt that swing and that pattern and named it, um, I could just go warm up with five to eight pitches. And once I got my swing, I'm like, let's go play. I don't want to waste, I don't want to waste anything because if I get tired, I'm on, my bat's going to move. I'm not a big guy. I, uh, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm what, 
170 pounds. So, you know, 5'11". I'm, I'm not these guys that can, can swing for two hours and maintain the strength. I don't have the endurance for that, um, especially wood bats are a little bit different. So I, I'll just sit there and take a couple of cuts and then, okay, on, on, on the plane. Pitching's the same way. You know, I, there, I had the opposite effect on pitching. I, I'd go in and I would be in the bullpen and I'm like, I'm going to save all my fast pitches. So I'm just going to really just keep it easy. And then I go out there and try to throw hard and couldn't throw a strike. <laughs> right. So this is when I was younger. Right. But then I, you know, or my arm started hurting. So I didn't want to throw a whole lot in the pen, but it didn't matter because I was going to be hurt anyway. And that's, that's what happened. I was talking about when I was young. This isn't after Tom. Um, so we, we, we teach uh, a lot of mental and emotional on that. Project. As you talk about, well, this was, this was more earlier on, you kind of talked about, you know, that first assessment, taking guys through testing, especially if you haven't got, you haven't had a guy before, you know, kind of take us through, what that first evaluation, maybe what those assessments look like, those testing, kind of take us through what that looks like. And then also how you kind of go about building programs for these guys. Cause I know earlier you also talked about how they're not cookie cutter systems. Everyone's a little bit different. Kind of take us through that first evaluation in the program building. Sure. Uh, as far as the program goes, I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer, answer that to like a full extent, but I, I will, I will tell you about the testing. Usually Somebody will call me, I'll explain, I'll ask them if they know about our, our program. And if they haven't, I send them to national pitching. A um, lot, lot of my, lot, I mean, almost everybody I take now is recommendation by somebody else. Um, <clears throat> but I say, hey, you know what? Bring your, bring your son in. Um, you know, it could be, it could be your daughter if, if it's a softball girl. Um, I don't have any of those anymore. But um, for pitching, you know, I like bring, bring him in. Let's go ahead and look at what he's doing. All right. It's free. It's on me. I'm going to give you 15, 20 minutes. You're going to do your warm up. whatever it is you do. I'm not telling you what we're doing. Okay. I want you to do your warm up. I want you to do your thing and I want you to throw and I'm going to watch you. And there's some times I'll use for the, for, for some kids, I'll use the mustard app. Okay. Just to show the parents, especially with the little guys. Um, with some of the older guys, I just, I can see this more than, you know, looking at the mustard app. Um, I'll go ahead and have them warm up and throw. And I pay attention to what they're doing in their warm up. Okay. And, and what's funny is you wouldn't believe how many guys go do a pull your arm across your chest stretch and then do some kind of a lunge and then come over two minutes later. Yeah, I'm warmed up. And then say, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll see you throw. And then I'll watch them throw. And I'll pick out probably three or four things if, if there's something that I need to fix. Now, sometimes I get a guy in there that you can barely tell that there's something wrong. He might have some good mechanics, and I might have to just tweak something to make it a little bit better to give him a little bit more of what he needs for a command or, or, or strikes. I've had guys that actually came in in college that were that had trouble headspace couldn't throw strikes because of headspace not because they, they weren't throwing 95 and not because they didn't have awesome pitches they just couldn't throw a strike you know and then so that's a different assessment right so that's a different track i take that's a mental and emotional issue and then i have to teach them how to go through that process to get back on track then there's times where it might be just a glove fix they're opening up too early and they can't repeat it because of it um, there, there's, there's times where a, a, a boy will come in and he has a really short stride. So he's spinning out really, really hard and it's causing elbow and shoulder pain. Um, 
So once I go through the assessment, the first thing I want to do is give them something. And I mentioned this earlier that will give them a win-win. I need them to trust me, all right, or want to trust me. So when I start to tell them what it is, they're like, oh, yeah, well, he already, he already took the pain away or he already you know, showed me a really good curveball that I never had a break that hard or I, my, my uh, fastball had good run to it or something just off something that we did. Um, once I get that, I have a win-win. There's, there's times I've, I've only had, I think, out of the thousands of kids that I've had, I think there's only been two or three that, that didn't take off me after an assessment. One was after the assessment, I will say, okay, well, here's what we do. And I let them watch the next group of guys come in. I might even let them join in for blocks one, two, and three. That's a workout. There's been two or three kids that just don't want to do that workout. It's too, too intense, too hard. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And, and, and I, I even scale that back for the younger kids. So I'm not going to have them do a high school workout if he's you know, 10, you know? So there's only been two or three that, that haven't wanted it to continue. But once I get that win, they kind of are excited to come in and learn. And once we get that and I like the kid, okay. If, Cause I, you know, you never know kid might want to learn the stuff and not like me or vice versa. I've, I've had some kids. I'm like, man, I just don't, if I, if I coach this kid, this is going to be a struggle with me, you know, for me. And uh, I'm pretty receptive for, for everybody, but they're, you know, nobody's perfect. And there's one or two that are like, Oh man, this kid's going to eat me alive, you know, under my, under, under my skin all the time, you know, smart mouth, talking back, whatever it may be. Um, and, and for the most part, I'll even start to train him for a couple of weeks, but I'll keep him on a short leash. And I'll say, Hey, look, I said, you either do what I'm asking you to do, or I'm going to cut you loose. There's no reason for me to train you if you don't want to listen. Right. Um, even though you wanted to come here, uh, and, and usually, and when I say usually, it does, it works out. So I, I technically, I've never had to cut a kid. I just want to, you know, clarify that. But I do only take certain kids. It used to be I took everybody. Um, but that's the assessment or the, the, the uh, looking at. And then I do a, a quick shoulder screen on their back. And usually if they're young, I know they're going to fail the six portions of the test. Okay, scapular winging. They're going to have uh, a divot. They're not going to have any muscle. Their, their internal rotation, you know, is, is going to be more than their external rotation. Uh, they have bad posture. They can't, they can't even set up without punching over. I mean, you know, those are easy fixes that once I let them know, they, they can be aware of and they can start to train. If they're, if they're high school, they can usually fix that pretty quick. Um, but like anything, if you've been throwing a certain way your whole life, the next time you throw a ball, you might throw it over the guy's head or chuck it in the ground. So there's, you know, and I got to tell them, hey, just relax. doesn't matter. I just want you to try this. Um, and so we just kind of walk them through it. As far as programs go, it just depends on what I see, right? If, if, we, if a kid has uh, no functional strength in his legs and his head moves when he leg kicks, I got to let him just pitch and, 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 and introduce things slowly <clears throat> while we're working on two to three weeks of functional strength training for his legs. Um, if he's, if he's having elbow issues, uh, I'm going to treat him like a Tommy John guy, right? I'm going to put him, you know, in a position where he's going to learn how to do opposite and equal through a one, two, three, four type drill. Um, and he's going to be on his knees with a towel. 
and he's going to start up 50%. And then we're going to try to firm the glove up and, and get his eyes level. Um, there could be multiple things there that we, we could do depending on where they're at or, you know, broken, or if they're not broken, what can we do to improve them? And that might be in the functional strength, not functional strength, but it might be in the uh, mental and emotional or nutrition. Right. <clears throat> and of course, you know, teaching somebody to throw a correct curveball, which is the safest pitch you can throw, um, you know, usually is the win-win. It's like, wow, this guy taught me a curveball that breaks and it dr drops off the table and it's, it doesn't hurt. And wow, I'm striking guys out, whatever. You know, that's usually when guys get pretty excited. And, and that's just not me. That's, that's all national pitching coaches. I mean, Tom is, has got a really good crew. Yeah, for sure. And you talk about that crew that he has, obviously Tom house, I guess from an outsider looking in, he's kind of the one that runs it kind of has, you know, some of these different programs for you and it helps you guys get certified stuff like that. How much communication is going on between you and let's say the guy out of Michigan, or maybe you said, you said Dean Taylor, I believe his name yeah, was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, how well, much I, communication I is going on between you guys, the regional director, all the way up to Tom house. What's that communication look like? Well, at this, at, we're, we're not a huge organization. I think what we're like 75, maybe coaches. Uh, I'm not even sure that the, the complete count, we could be more, we could be less. I, I don't think we're too much less than that. But what we're, what we're looking at is I talk to Greg Wright all the time. He's, he's Kalamazoo NPA, right? I talked to Ryan Christensen out of uh, Wisconsin area. Okay. Um, I talked to Chuck Ruta over in Pittsburgh. Uh, every once in a while, I'll talk to Gardy. Um, there's times I, I always talk to Robert Ambrose. I always talk to Dean Doxicus. I, I, I always talk to um, uh, Mike Fedko, who's in 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 uh, Alaska. Okay, um, I talk to Eric Rubin, who's up there in Oregon, right? Uh, Washington, maybe he's Washington. I can't remember where he's at. He's out there somewhere. Um, I'm always talking to everybody because we're like brothers, uh, you know. Uh, Charlie Newbar, another another one of my favorite. He's another one that taught me a ton. He's, you know, you're talking about guys that have been with Tom for 20 plus years. I mean, these guys are master coaches, right? And and when I pull in all the information and I'm asking all the questions and I'm and I'm, I'm putting the puzzle together, you know, Tom has gave us that framework. Then it's how do I make that work inside framework? You know, like for instance, you know, what when you're looking at volume load frequency, intensity, and duration. That can be applied to weightlifting. It can be applied to your throwing routines, right? So when we're talking, not only do we discuss, you know, hey, I got this guy. He's doing something I've never seen before. What do you guys think? You know, we're on a, we're all on a platform called OnForm. So we'll post something, some of us, and, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll, a lot of questions will be like, well, hey, this is what I did for this kid. And, you know, is there anything that I missed? And we'll take a look. And it's like, oh, no, you did really good. Or, Hey, did you try this? Because sometimes they did do what we asked them to do and they still can't get it. You know, the, the, the pitchers. So you have to give them a different cue. And this is where experience comes in. And that experience is also given to, you know, some guys share it. I would say most of the guys that, that are in national pitching share it. Nobody really holds anything back. Tom has got so many different aspects of that, that you have to be around him because we'll be at dinner and all of a sudden he'll say something and, you, and everybody's eyes will light up and like, what was that? That was, huh? What? Say that again so I can record it. <laughs> you know, and that's that's mainly me and a couple of the younger guys. <laughs> the older guys have been around them. 
but, uh, and I don't mean like an age, I'm talking about just in years. <clears throat> so, you know, I talked to Tom, not, not a whole lot compared to talking to the rest of the guys, because usually if I'm talking to Tom, I got, I got something that I don't know about some pain issue that a guy's having. And I want to know how my, how should I proceed? You know, is it something I'm going to need to send them to see an ortho about, or, you know, will this, this pain go away in a day or two, you know, something that's more medical. And then I'm going to ask Dean Taylor first. <clears throat> and uh, so normally talking to Tom is just like a treat for me. Uh, I, I it used to be, I talked to him a little bit more, but the guy is, he's, he's a rock star. He's the rock star of, of, of pitching and everybody's texting and everybody's calling. So usually I'll call and leave a, a quick, you know, brief message and, and he'll get back with me. Um, and, and then there's times where, you know, I go out and see him and Tom is one of those guys that always makes you feel special. Like you're the guy and it's really cool because it motivates you. Right. And there's nothing, nothing more disappointing than meeting somebody that you highly, uh, regard uh, and, or want to learn from. And the guy is either just a, a you know, a, a bad guy, let's just put it that way. Not very nice or he's got some ego that's through the roof or he treats you like crap. Right. And that's, that's not Tom. He's the, he's the antithesis of that easily. Yeah. So I got a two part question here for you. Again, I got another call here in a little bit. So I got, I, I know, sorry. I, I told you I talk too much longer, but you know, I, I know there's a lot of stuff to talk about, but earlier, you know, you did dig into kind of the differences there when you're working with maybe some of the younger kids compared to, you know, above that 14 year, you know, age limit. Let's kind of talk about maybe the differences between the off season program that you're kind of going through now compared to maybe what you're working with guys throughout, you know, in season, obviously they're going through practices, throwing once or twice a week in game. Um, kind of take us through what that looks like off season compared to the in season and with it being the off season, that D load versus ramp up kind of take us through kind of what your thoughts are on what that should typically look like maybe how it differs for certain pitchers kind of take us to the D load and ramp up as well. Okay. So let me get this straight. So you got the D load ramp up, you got the in season and what was the very first one off season? Uh, well, just in season versus off season and then D load going up to okay. the, in, in the, okay. Off. Okay. So, so in, in season, when, when Karhoff, Shinada, Kabaski, any of those guys, other than this year, because this year I'm Kabaski's pitching coach at Lake. Um, high school um when, when these guys go into in season they're usually in the top five rotation <clears throat> i don't see them during during school unless something bad is happening hey coach can't my breaker is not working my changeup's not working uh i got a twinge in my elbow you see anything wrong that type of stuff Th those guys once they leave the off season if they don't continue to do what i'm telling them to do okay and they start to go into their high school training and their high school training doesn't allow them to do what I'm telling them to do. I say, you have to do it on your own time. If you don't, you know, buyer beware, just remember. And so I've had that happen. I've had guys start with me at 90, go off the, you know, PBR hit 90 drop out. Next thing you know, they're back to 84, right. Uh, quit doing all the, the, the prep work, quit doing all the core work, quit doing all the, the velo uh, arm cares type stuff, joint integrity loads, and then they'll drop. Okay. Or they'll get hurt. 
um, then there's overuse. So once they leave me, I don't have a whole lot of contact with them unless something's derailed. <clears throat> like with, oh, hang on one second, with, with Karhoff, good example is <clears throat> he was eight and one, right? He didn't need to do anything during the season to see me. <clears throat> I'd go watch him play. It was cool. A couple games, I'm like, Last year, shit, I was I was a coach for a different team playing against them. <laughs> it was cool seeing both my pitchers out there, one for the opposite team and one for my team, right? And this has happened more than more than once, trust me. Um, and guess what? I always root for the pitchers. So Carhoff's pitching, I'm rooting for him. If my guy, you know, Swizz is pitching, I'm rooting for him. You know, so uh, it's always been that way. <clears throat> so. In season, the guys that aren't getting penned, okay, that aren't in five rotation, these are usually JV freshmen. <clears throat> Those are the guys that I'm still working to get their velo up, right? They haven't hit that 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 growth spurt or they're they're just coming into functional. Um, <clears throat> not too many are not throwing strikes. It's usually it's usually they're not pitching because their velo is, isn't you know, where they need to be for varsity and which, you know, has gone up quite a bit compared to what it used to be. So I'll see those guys during the week because they're not penning enough. Um, as far as deload and ramp ups, um, we like to pitch, you know, eight, eight months of the year. We like to throw every day, right? If you, if you don't throw, uh, for two weeks straight, it's like starting over, basically. So when everybody says, oh, we're taking a break, well, national pitching guys take a break, but it's from pitching. It's not from throwing. We might throw football. We might throw a tennis ball. We might might do holds, throwing a towel and, and some type of ball with it as a hold instead of releasing it. We're keeping the shoulder active, the mechanics working. Um, guys go off to other sports, so it's a little bit more difficult. You know, you go play basketball. Basketball doesn't really involve throwing. Um, unless you're trying to do some kind of, you know, pass, um, but you got to do what you need to do, or you have to do what you need to do to, to keep your, your strength. And that means in mechanics, and that is you have to do drills and protocols that are national pitching to keep you going. It doesn't mean that you're in an off season program. It just means you're keeping that throwing motion. So you don't have to start over. Um, the D load, I usually do D loads anywhere between, and it depends on what type of program in the off season program I have them doing. So if you're, you're looking at a heavy ball program, uh, I might do a deload at like 12 weeks. Um, I might do a deload uh, with some guys at six weeks. And then there are some guys that, you know, I'm not even going hard enough to do a deload because we're not in a velo program. We're just in the throwing program trying to get their mechanics. But usually I will undulate during the week going from a heavy day to a light day, if that's the case. So deloads for me, or I don't want to say optional, they're just not um, what I consider regimented. All right. We, we do them, but they're, they're within the, the confines of, of what their program is. All right. And I always, you know, we, we do that. Uh, like the, the next deload for us is right before high school tryouts. I give everybody the week, we're done. We test them one more time on a Saturday, get the full week and weekend off. 
those last two sessions that are with me, we're working on nothing but mental and emotional and strategies and what to do when and, and answering questions, um, you know, and some, some, some deload from, from working out, stretching, you know, breath work, stuff like that. Okay. So a lot of times when, you know, and I've talked to quite a few pitching trainers the past couple of weeks. So I've had, you know, I'm starting to get some good questions to go along just from the stuff I've learned the past couple of weeks from some other guys. Um, so when it comes to, you know, you working with your guys, obviously a lot of it comes to more of the, you know, science of the body, more of the mechanical side. How much emphasis do you put on, you know, pitch design, pitch development, working on some of their guys on you know, breaking ball, stuff like that. Cause I guess how much, how much kind of goes on there as well when it comes well, to this is, this is easy. Okay. And if you ask any of my guys are like, well, he just shows me a grip, right? Well, here's why. Because if I line, if I, if I set you up properly and you hit every part of the sequence, okay, you're going to release the ball between eight and 12 inches off your front foot, which means it's going to break later, move later, whether it's fastball, curveball, changeup, whatever. Okay. Which means you're going to get a plus three visual velocity. Okay. Perceived velocity for the hitter. And if you can get seven of your own feet, you'll get another three miles an hour on the gun if you're a 200 pound uh six foot man or you know or above so you can get maybe two if you're under that you can get three or excuse me four if you're you're, you're heavier than that or taller than that so you're you're looking at a mechanical way for spin rate and this is what's great about all my guys the guys that i coach that that hit the mechanical pieces and the critical sequence their spin rates are off the charts, all right? Throwing a curveball is easy. It's just a karate chop, right? You grip it. You make sure there's no space between your palm and the ball. You squeeze it till the veins pop out of your wrist, right? You put equal pressure on both fingers after you cut the ball in half, and it's just a pitch. All you're doing is moving your wrist from going from a fastball, like a high five, to a karate chop, all right? So in between there, there's, th there's two pitches, okay? There's your cutter and your slider. Now, those are the two hardest pitches on your elbow that there are. So we don't deal with a whole lot of them until, like, I don't teach any of that until 16, 17 years old. Okay, cutters, I don't teach till they're, you know, college guys. Um, it just puts too much stress on the arm. But it's the same way with, with your changeup, your runner, or your sinker, okay, is you're just going back the other way. You're going back from 12, 11, 10, 9, right, instead of going 12, 1, 2, and 3, or 130 to 33, it just depends. So really, once I set you up and the dominoes fall, it's just wrist angle. And how do you like to hold the ball? You know, there's pitchers in the majors that hold a fastball grip for every pitch that they throw, whether it's other than a split or a fork. So with, with these guys, it's all about, hey, your mechanics are good, your glove's firm, now you're going to be releasing out front. That's where the magic happens with all of the grips all of them soon you start getting soft start rotating over rotating pulling the glove tucking the glove now you're releasing the ball back by your thigh up by your head you got to do something for it to break that's when you start hearing pull the shade you know turn the doorknob uh what else is there um you know you can thump, you know as i mentioned thumb the ball um there, there you know there's there's all kinds of stuff there's there are cues you can do even with the changeup when you're throwing correctly to get depth and that's going to be you know bring your 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 hand straight down your spine at you know at release 
that's at the very end of your throw, throw it like a fastball. Everything is a fastball, but you change the grip and that changes your speed. Once I put you in positions to throw your fastest pitch, then everything works off the fastest pitch. So that's a real easy one for me. And this is why I don't spend a whole lot of time saying, well, you got to grip it this way. You got to grip this way. You know, you got to get more pressure on this thing. No, have the mechanics throw the pitch based off of that. Uh, the only, the only one that I, I call it the coach Lou special and, and it, it's a split of some sort. It's a split change and every one of my guys have it and it's devastating. <laughs> so, you know, as far as pitch, pitch uh, positions go, it, it, the development is, is, I consider easy once their mechanics are efficient. Okay. So I got two more questions here for you. That's so, it. All right. <laughs> last, so the last one's always, you know, kind of looking ahead to the future. Where do you kind of see yourself going? Where do you see this to kind of going ahead? But second to last question, one that, you know, every time I, like I said, I've had what, three, four of your, you know, clients, trainees that have came on the podcast. They've all talked about how you're a big, no wind up guy solely from the stretch. I'm sure that probably has something to do with the night. I'm sure a lot of you NPA guys are teaching that as well. Um, they kind of gave me a little bit of the background on it, a little bit of the science behind it. Obviously, they're not explaining it nearly as well as what you're about to kind of take us through. What's the reasoning for that and some of the benefits that come along with being a <sighs> guy? Okay, so so let me ask you a question. When are all the most important pitches? When people are on base. When people are on base. Throw your best when you got guys on base, right? <clears throat> Throw your best before you have guys on base. So there's two two big reasons. One is we teach a one second or less foot strike, all right? Um, which which means if you're you've got a 1.25 release and a pop time, uh, let's 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 back up. You got a 1.25 release, all right? So it's a one second foot strike, 0.25 throw, and then you add a 90 mile an hour fastball, or let's just say 80. So you're at 0.5. Now you're basically at one what 1.75. And then you add a, a two or under pop time, uh, you'll throw out Ricky Henderson. Okay. So, first and foremost, the math is there. Um, if you keep the guy close and you're just not a robot, and that, you know, we teach a lot of, of uh, holding runners, um, you're, you're able to get guys out. And the momentum that we teach, far as how we're shifting and lifting, uh, think of DeGrom, think of, uh, Man, there's a bunch of guys that are doing it. Uh, but anyway, as, as, as we're moving forward fast, we're getting in a foot strike. There's a magic that happens when you get at a certain distance of your own stride. And it separates the hip and shoulder as you leap. And the leap doesn't come from a mental, hey, I got I to gotta push off as hard as I can. It happens because of the way that we have, are training you to go down the mound. Right? With that. If I have to put you into a windup, now you have to learn a second type of patterning drill, right? You got to learn the windup. What windup's best? How do I get you in one second or less on a windup? Well, you're not going to have to worry about that basically with runners on because you're not going to go from windup, right? So what the thing we do, if you want to go from windup, I'll teach you to keep your head over your front foot and just make this little mini turn. And then why? Because it's easier just to lift and go instead of try to add another part of the sequence that doesn't really do anything except make you feel in your head uh, 
the confidence to feel like you're going down the mountain because when you're taught, that's really the only way you could get going fast because nobody could train you that way. We're, we're training you from day one to, to, to giddy up. It's called GFF, go flipping fast. And that could be interpreted a couple different ways. So that's, that's the reason we don't wind up. All right. So down to my final question here for you here on the JKR podcast. Again, same question when I get a lot of coaches on or get people you know, beyond the players here on the podcast. You know, as you kind of look ahead to past this upcoming season, past this upcoming summer into next offseason, potentially off seasons down the road as well. Kind of take us through where you see yourself, where you see this program, where you see maybe some of your players kind of take us through where you kind of see that vision for the future these next couple of years. I see, I see uh, uh, high school players that are fully prepared, having really good years, their junior and senior year. Um, I see guys that <clears throat> didn't uh, have the strength or the knowledge that they had prior to going into the offseason having really good years uh, as, as freshmen and JV. Um, <clears throat> I see our high school pitching staff doing really well at Lake. Um, I see everything ramp up again after high school ball, as far as people coming back uh, for a short period of time and, and, and to test and to see where they're at. I see a two week vacation where coach Lou is going to be in Myrtle beach <laughs> because he works seven days a week and he can't wait till June. Okay. Um, I, I see uh, national pitching uh, starting to explode and, and we're really gaining momentum. We have a lot more pros there, that stuff's starting to come out. We don't tell who we're working with. We let them say, you know, if they're working with us or not. Um, I see me working with pros uh, more. Uh, uh, and I, I see, you know, just having fun doing what I love to do. And that is talk about pitching uh, mentoring kids and, and helping them uh, achieve their dreams and, 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 and get further than they might, you know, have not, if they have not met, you know, if they didn't meet me, uh, like, like I, if I would have had this when I was younger, if I would have had a coach house in high school, you know, I, I I'm sure I could have played next level easily. Uh, I had the talent. I just didn't have the functional strength. Um, so with, with the off season program, I, I feel that, just like the year before previous to this and previous to that, it's going to get even better because I'm going to have guys that are, uh, I'm going to have more people want to get in probably less spots. And those people that get in are going to probably be, you know, high level athletes that they're already throwing. Well, it's how are they, you know, how do they get to the next level? You know, just like the pros that see Tom or just like the quarterbacks that see Tom, those guys are already, awesome they're in the one percent of the one percent right how are they getting one percent better to beat that other one percent guy and that's that's what high schools turn into you know and then how many guys want to play in college and, and go that route they want to get to their dreams and play you know high level so whoever comes to me i always have this saying i don't care who it is i don't care what level you are i'm going to teach you something and i'm going to do my best so you have fun learn something and feel like you got something out of it for paying me for it. Cause that's what it comes down to is value. And uh, you know, I wish I would have had that anyway. All right. Well, there we go. Like I said, that's last question here for you on the JKR podcast. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, we're looking at almost 
you know, probably hour 45, maybe some good, some good content. So good conversation here today. Like I said, you know, as I kept, you know, continuously hearing your name getting brought up by a lot of these high level guys, I knew you were a guy I definitely wanted to get here on the podcast. So uh, I'm definitely going to be learning a lot. You know, I learned a lot today, but I think I'm going to learn more as I edit it, as I kind of go through and listen to it once again, because you did throw, you did throw a lot of information out there that I haven't really heard before. So um, de definitely a lot of learning for me. I'm sure a lot of learning for a lot of guys who would be listening to to this episode, but again, just appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you having me and reaching out to me. Cause uh, you know, I was just happy to hear the guys have an interview and then all of a sudden I, my name was mentioned. I was like, well, that's cool. And then all of a sudden you contacted me. So I, I can't uh, tell you how much uh, that means, but that's pretty awesome. I uh, appreciate it.